0: Welcome to the Dogsthorpe Infant School, part of Hampton Academy's Trust.
1: Stand by for action! This podcast is brought to you by Eddie Edster, the Dogstorp Infant School Wellbeing Dog. Yes, welcome back to Launchpad. Based in Manchester, England, Permanent Education, CIC, works with all schools to develop school leaders, teachers and even young people themselves to run philosophy for children workshops and build A to Z thinking skills. Basically, it equips school leaders and their staff with the right tools to develop critical and creative thinking skills that greatly improve every child's success in life. And they need that. They really do need that. It's a wonderful resource for schools to consider, which is why Eddie Edster and I have invited Permanent Education's co-founders, Paula and Rebecca, onto the Launchpad to tell you all about their great work and how they can help your school. Welcome to the show, Paula and Rebecca. Thank hello, you.
0: hello, Captain <laughs> Dave and Eddie.
1: Can you give us uh, a backstory, uh, Paula, about uh, how you, how it all came about and in the formation and how you got into all this? Yeah, of course,
0: absolutely. So um, Rebecca and I have both worked in education for a long time. Rebecca was a teacher, um, sort of pretty much from from university, weren't you, Rebecca? Um, yes. I, I had a little foray into the film industry and um, various things like that. And then I went into teaching, worked as a teacher, um, ended up having a short stint as a head teacher in, in Manchester and then decided to kind of make a change because I felt that some of the things that I really felt passionate about in schools Um, just were getting increasingly hard to deliver and um, I got an opportunity to do a PhD with um, the university where I trained to be a teacher and so I made the leap into freelance world and set up permanent education Um, and then during um, sort of early 2020 Rebecca and I um, ended up on lots of different Zoom calls during the lockdowns (laughs) because we're both trainers and knew each other and all that kind of stuff and, um, and Rebecca sort of suggested that maybe we should join forces because we believe very similarly about about the importance of what we do, and so we joined forces and became Permanent Education CIC. Um, the the reason why we've got that name is because I'm also um, not only um, passionate about sort of the thinking skills around philosophy for children, so creativity, collaboration, critical thinking, and caring skills. But also, I'm I'm also very passionate about permaculture and the thinking skills behind that and the values behind that. And so it's a way in which for me to try and bring those two things together, that is evolving as, as we go forward. But I, I feel really strongly that um, to be able to make a difference in our environment or in society or whatever, you need to think deeply about what you do. Um, and permaculture allows us to think deeply about sustainability rather than just having a tick list of things that we need to do compost recycle blah 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 it's about really thinking about the kind of person that you want to be and the kind of world that you want to live in and and we don't have a right answer to that but we just think that it's really important that children and teachers because they're quite young as well (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um have a chance to really think about that and then to to sort of go forwards in their life with that kind of um a, a approach to fulfillment hopefully <laughs> it's, so it's that's very,
1: it yeah it's very it's very easy isn't it for for schools to um to to use their values and they, you know lots of schools are into their values sometimes it's only three words uh, or mm. it's greater and it develops into other words but Often um, it's all about chasing the targets for ch- yeah. children and making sure they reach certain levels, which is right. You know, progress is all very, very important. But it's how the child thinks, and how it develops, how the child develops in their mental cognitive skills is, is one of the things which me, drew me to your, to your website. Because um, you used philosophy for children, which not all of the, the listeners would know. Uh, mm. and and how that can easily develop and you can use those skills right through your life absolutely you know, it, it's absolutely i awareness mean, doesn't it
0: absolutely and and just being able to think for yourself is increasingly feeling a bit like a subversive act and um but it's about being able to do the things that we feel are, are starting to be a bit lacking in society, and lots of people do as well, you know, being able to disagree without falling out with each other, being able to recognise difference, being able to celebrate that, being able to kind of go, oh, I haven't thought of it like that. I mean, Rebecca will talk more about p for c but those kinds of skills, when you see 10-year-olds who are adept at that, it's the most powerful yeah. thing. And then it's not taking them away from their learning. It's actually providing a richness. So mm. they're learning. But also, I know Rebecca will say something, but we feel that we've succeeded as teachers when, when um, I know when I was a teacher, I felt like I succeeded if if the kids were using p for c techniques in the playground or in the minibus, you know or I used to kind of sit in on the school council meetings. I wasn't allowed to say anything. The children would run it, but I was just there, I don't know, for security of me. Mm. And um, they'd go sort of, right, okay, we're about to finish the meeting. Last words, everyone, which is a P4C technique. Mm. I mean, I don't think I learned about last words till I was 30. You know, I mean, to be able to have those skills at that age is just wonderful. And to genuinely know that it's important to listen to people and, and be prepared that they might say something that you hadn't thought of.
1: Mm. Mm. it's
0: lacking it's lacking at the moment
1: absolutely absolutely so yeah yeah, yeah. That, so let's let's think about p for c for a minute because as i say a lot of our parents who listen to this podcast wouldn't know what it is and maybe so there are some teachers who don't know what it is so i'll come to you now rebecca can you in lay terms explain what exactly is p for c I only really do layperson's terms, so that's, that's quite fortunate
2: you've gone for me for this one. Um, so P2C in its rawest form, it stands for Philosophy for Children and, and Communities. <clears throat> Excuse me, because it's not something that you just do with children. It's also, as Paula mentioned, really important for adults to practice as well. And it's thinking about the big ideas in life. Um, thinking about ideas that people haven't necessarily thought of before, or uh, exploring ideas that you don't know the answer to. Um, So they're open questions. They're things like, what kind of world do I want to live in? There's more than one right answer. But it's not just about talking for the sake of talking. It's about giving a framework and a structure to really reason and think about what you're saying. Um, And challenge your own thinking. Um, Now, that can be an external challenge of, um, in my experience, this has happened, or it could be an internal challenge of I'm changing my mind. And the child or the adult, you can see their thoughts ticking over. And it's about growing as human beings in the way that we see the world and the way that we understand the world. And it builds things like all these buzzwords that you mentioned earlier, that schools have got like resilience, great word, brilliant word, um, very impressive when um, children um tell a visitor in school that that's one of their school values but it's actually understanding what resilience is and giving them the, sk- the skills and almost like a little toolkit like a builder's set that they can pull out of the box in order to actually go okay this hasn't worked out for me so this is what i'm going to do in order to be able to work my way through it um so it's it's practicing what you preach to a certain extent as well and in a very full curriculum area, as Paula said, you just don't have the time as a teacher. We're teachers, we know how pressurized the curriculum is and how the focus, however much it should or shouldn't be, is on the academic subjects. Um, And it's, it's not a subject in its own right. It permeates everything you do in the classroom. You do teach it as, or you can teach it as a directly taught one hour session to teach those key skills. But then, as Paula says, it arises in the playground. It appears in your maths lesson. You see it in PE. And that's when it's being effective, is when they're able to move those skills across different areas of their life. Parents come in and say, my child said this at home. Or a child will take a discussion home and say, what do you think about this? Um, and they sit around the, the kitchen table and talk about it. So um, mm-hmm. that's it's philosophy for children, but it's yeah. a tool for teaching it.
1: Yeah. Makes sense. I, 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 as I was saying before, the podcast began to you both that uh, we we've used it. Mrs. Waters has used it at, at Dogsthorpe Infants and I've used it in my work with with teenagers and with young people. And um, I remember that um, Mrs. Waters brought to one of my youth groups a picture of a very, very small baby in, a, in someone's hands. And they'd <laughs> got the baby, but the baby was very, very small. So she said to, she just showed the picture and she said, I want questions. What, what, do you want, what do you want to ask about these questions? What do you want to see? You know, the normal sorts of things, listeners, um, where you look at a picture and you start to spot things. And sometimes they would say things that, uh, as they went through all the different groups, because we used it several times through different groups of teenagers, they all came up with different different observations, different questions. they wanted to know who the baby was. was the baby a boy or a girl? because you couldn't tell if it was male or female. It was just a, it had a nappy on, so you couldn't tell and the baby was was naked other than the nappy and um, and and they wanted to know, did the baby live because it looked very fragile, it had just been born, it would look to slightly premature. Um, but then they were looking at the hands holding it. And most of the people who most of the children who looked at it thought it was the doctor's hands holding it. And then, after about four or five different groups, another child, another teenager, he must have been about ten or eleven, said, "No, that's that's not that's not the doctor's hands." And I said, "Well, how do you know? Because you couldn't see a white coat or a a nurse's uniform." I said, "Well, how do you know?" And they said, "Look at the hands. The hands are very wrinkled, and that they're workers' hands." nobody else had spotted it nobody else they said that's probably the dad or the granddad or a family member holding their baby and uh, and that's the great thing about philosophy for children isn't it it's about looking at something and recognizing (coughs) something within oneself and then talking about the feelings that evolves because Mm -hmm. in one of those groups one of the children said i i was a a premature baby and my mum and dad didn't know if i would live You know, and all that came out and all of the other children in the group heard it. You know, that is about resilience and about self-value and about love and compassion. All the things that's in those words in schools values, but it's brought out in a totally different way, which is why I think that what you offer schools is as precious as gold dust. I really do
2: oh thank you very much you. and, and you you're right you start off the process with a stimulus material such as a picture a piece of you one of the most powerful um, pieces of music i've used is and don't rush out to buy this one as i did um mm-hmm. It's called Silence, and the clue was in the title. So I put this CD on for my class, um, and obviously nothing played. I had them all lying down on the floor. (coughs) And they just listened to the sounds that were around them and their place in the world. And then they all brought their own experiences of their own little pockets of the world into the classroom. And it was absolutely fabulous. Mm. But it's by using that uh, structure of the stimulus followed by um what we call chewy questions which are the irritating questions that you could ask somebody and find out the answer to but it's the start of the little gem of something bigger you'd like to know then you move into the bigger questions which are the ph- philosophical questions the ones which you can't ask google you can't go on wikipedia you can't somebody ask somebody from a text or from a photograph the answer to um, oh. That's not
1: Eddie, listeners. I don't know. There's a dog somewhere. This but one's it's not called. Eddie. This one is Albus. One second, I'll let's <laughs> the,
0: the thing I, the thing I really love, and it, it just, um, you were talking about just feeling so inspired when you did P for C, and still, you know, after all these years, we still get a real buzz whenever we do P for C, whether it's with teachers or children, because, um, is that often it's the children that you don't expect who really flourish in this um and sometimes it it can be extremely challenging for the more able children who are used to getting everything right and that is wonderful you know it's lovely to get things right but I remember doing a session once with some children and it was talking about um the Egyptians and uh they they decided on the question is the heart more important than the brain or which one's more important which is a classic philosophical question that's the other thing that I should add is that we're not teaching them facts about philosophers they can learn that but we're teaching them how to be philosophical so we were actually discussing philosophers out there don't criticize me I think it's sort of a Descartes theory of you know heart mind you know um duality etc yep, etc yep. et we don't need to say that to them but they are discussing it and the sort of super able boy in the class well when well it's obvious it's the mind and uh, sat there with his arms folded like okay what are we going to do now and actually it was the quieter children the ones who thought they were less able the ones who had kind of labeled themselves already who were sort of going well hang on a minute maybe you know Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And they started talking about the different identities of the heart. You know, yes, it has functions, but also, it's some children believe that that's where love resided. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So, you know, we were able to have that discussion, and the children who spoke were not the children who always sort of feel like they're, you know, at the top of their class. So that was really, really good, and the way in which we we operate as teachers in P for C is we are very much the facilitators, we're the co-inquirers. We get stuck as well, you know. And the best thing that we can say during the um during the session is, well, what do you think? Which is great because it's it links in with the permaculture of minimum effort for mm. maximum output, you know. Um so it's really, you know, very much, well, what do you think? And um could anybody think any differently about that perhaps, Mm. you know, to the boy who folded his arms after 30 seconds, he was completely out of his comfort zone and it was probably really, really great for him, you know, to be able to be challenged once, you know.
1: Mm. And And the great thing about what you were saying, Rebecca, about the, 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 the silence thing, I mean, people say, you know, what's the scariest noise that you can hear, you know, is it nails going down a blackboard, or is it, you know, the sound of a of a horror movie's music or something, but no, I think silence is probably the one thing that everyone dreads, because we just don't get it, do we? We just do not get silence, we fill it full of noise all the time, and and even there, you know, there's ap a for P4C straight away, isn't it, I mean, like as you used it, I mean, it's a these, these, these are wonderful tools. So um, how can we get p for c into more schools? I'm guessing you run workshops, do you? Do you want to,
0: Rebecca, talk about this or should I talk about this? Um, well, we
2: do it in lots of different ways and um, Paula, uh, I'm sure, will uh, chip in and uh, add to what I'm saying. So we, we come into schools and we run a two-day workshop um we're credited to a number of uh, companies charities there's sapere uh, there's dialogue works we also uh, run our own um we very much look at the setting that we're going into and where they need support um all of the courses that we run are um, bespoke uh, they're tweaked they're They're focused upon what the school and the children and the parents and the community around that school needs help with. Um, We then like to follow that up with support work in schools. So we come in and we work very closely with the teachers because a standalone two day course is a wonderful thing. And as teachers, everybody loves CPD days. But then you go back into the classroom and life carries on um so it's about making it effective and there's no point asking anybody to do something that's not effective um so then we go into school and we work really closely with the staff I quite often go in and I'll run lessons I'll learn the children I'll look at their assessment and their (laughs) curriculum um and school development plan sorry we help with the school development plan the school development plan I'll meet with SLT um and we'll identify a passionate member of staff that I train up to become me. Um, And once that's within the school, this philosophy sort of, it it goes everywhere. It's in everything that the school does, from assembly to the dinner ladies at lunchtime, to the parents picking up at home time. Um, And it means that if I get hit by a bus, those techniques and those ideals will carry on. It's part of the school. And that's where it starts becoming um, effective. So I do, A lot of work, for example, in pupil referral units, alternative provisions. They've reported some of them up to an 80% um, less of children hitting crisis points where they have to leave education or the classroom. Uh, They might need an adult to help them with that. Um, Just because the child is now able to reason, identify behaviours and respond appropriately within the classroom setting around that. In mainstream, you get reports of uh, children aren't confident Uh, they're confident raising and obviously all of their academic work follows that because they believe that they can do it they actually believe that they can do it they're able to ask for help their reasoning skills improve Um, but for me I think it is it's not it's not a plaster that goes on it's not something that's a quick fix that you come on a one-day course or a two-day course and learn about that's a great great start um but it has to be fed back fed back properly properly and appropriately and the staff have got time got to have time to learn it because it's such a different approach to the one that we as teachers learn at university as a method for teaching um and it's almost like changing the way that you look at the world yourself uh in order to make it effective for your class and once it's once it's in there everybody's on board um but yeah I, that's mm. that's
0: one of the ways that we get it into <clears throat> and, uh, but I, can, I can imagine some school leaders might be thinking oh crikey you know do i really want everyone doing everything differently but but it, it is a, it is a an approach to your pedagogy definitely but in a, a sort of a reassuring way you know research has shown by the eef that um children do much better in their reasoning in math standing and specifically writing um reading sorry god try and form a sentence so the maths which is you know massively to do with reasoning now especially in primary you know uh, y- you need to be able to explain yourself not just put you know the answer's 42 you need to be able to say why um and and this helps with that but also in the reading comprehension you know if you're being asked what a character might do next or what a character might be thinking through p for c you've had a chance to think in that way and so you know you're going to do better in that and that has been shown through their research um i'm convinced it helps with writing as well um the research didn't go long enough to kind of look at writing but you can imagine that if a child feels more agency of through their own voice then they're going to have more sort of imagination and confidence to kind of talk in a, and write in a way that you know is engaging so um, so th- I just wanted to sort of reassure that, um, that, that it does impact on all the subjects and in terms of attainment as yeah. well. Um, yeah.
1: um, obviously, what you've described is an awful lot of what Rebecca described is an awful lot of work. Um, and you, you must be rushed off your feet because it's not just about it's not just about like, you know, <laughs> authors going around reading a, a, a segment of their book and then moving on to the next school or a group going around doing a, a few assemblies. I mean, you, this is a long-term project. So um, I'm going to have to ask you the, the the one thing that all schools are going to be asking. Uh, how much would it cost to get you into a school? Do you
0: want me to answer that? I don't, I don't whoever, whoever wants to answer it. <laughs> So, um, so the going rate for a P4C, this is a hard question, not because we're worried about talking about money, but it's just a hard question because of what Rebecca said about bespoke, because Rebecca does like become part of the family of the school that she works with. Um, but um, so, for example, the going rate, if you went on the, you know, Sapere website or Works website for a P4C coordinator facilitator to come and train up 25 of your staff, it would be £500 a day. so so that's what it costs, but we, so we, we don't really go below that, but what we do do as part of that is Rebecca's on hand for the teachers, you know, for the whole of the rest of that term or year or, you know, cycle, (laughs) Um, yeah, (laughs) teachers, teachers contact Rebecca, you know, oh, I'm doing a topic on the Vikings, what do you reckon, and uh, she's got a list, you know, so, so that's really good, Um, but To be honest, because of the landscape, because of the way that money is organized now within education, I know this sounds corny, but every school is different because sometimes we work with trusts and they want us to kind of meet up with their three coordinators. And that might be one day, but it's three people or they might want us to run one day in person and two day you know the other day split over three staff meetings so so it is it is negotiable definitely um but that's like the going rate and for that we would you know we would travel and um and then if you want to be um accredited by one of the organizations that would you know give you a certificate and we do our own certificates obviously but you know if you particularly wanted to be accredited by a particular organisation then there would be that fee on top but um, that's roughly the rate but yeah but I don't know if you're about to ask me this but we have also adopted our model slightly to go into schools recently because um, and work more directly with the children and the teachers because of of money and um, various pools on the budgets. but I do think that for an academy trust uh, which is where we're working increasingly it's a really good return on investment because mm-hmm. we can work with your SLT across all the schools and then the cascading of that is brilliant mm-hmm. we we can't train them to be trainers but we can train them to be really good coordinators of the subject and to look for good practice and to 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 know how to incorporate it into their plans etc so that it's embedded because you know we've all been on courses where we think on Monday morning, like Rebecca said, "Great." And uh, anyway, what was I what was I doing yeah.
1: before yeah, I was really interested? Yeah, it's easy to get lost in the classroom, <laughs> ether,
0: isn't it? We, yeah, yeah, exactly. We... And 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 just to say, you know, some of the feedback we get from teachers, we do have teachers who are completely kind of uh, rock to their core because they're like, "Oh, really? What, I can think for myself now," you know. But we also have an awful lot of teachers who come up to us afterwards and go. This is why I came into teaching. Thank you. Thank you. I can be, I can do it, you know, which is just lovely. And that just gave
1: me goosebumps just saying that. <laughs> mm, mm, absolutely. Um, and long, long may your work continue. Thank you for all you do. Now, if people want to get in touch with you, where's the best place for them to, to come? Uh,
0: so they can email us. So our STEM is permanenteducation.org. So you can either look on the website for that, www. or you can email Paula Rat or Rebecca Rat. So that's the best way to contact us. Well, that's it for another week, folks. Captain Dave and Eddie will be back again soon with another launchpad. They'll have more great guests, more places to see and more interesting things to share on the learning journey. So be kind, be respectful and always remember to dream, believe and shine.